Hello and welcome to Blooming Curious, a podcast that's all about nurturing that natural curiosity in our early years, kids and students. I'm Edwina, your host from the Ed's Lessons blog, a passionate advocate for play and inquiry and on a mission to keep children curious and questioning. The days of talk and chalk are over. We're diving into the world of integrated, inquiry and nature-based learning and exploring the strategies that create lifelong learners. So if you're a classroom or homeschool educator or even a curious parent, then this is the place for you. Hello everyone and welcome back. Today is episode two of our Getting Started series and today we're going to look at the curriculum and how to teach it or use it. Generally, the education department of a country will set out a curriculum which is a framework from which teachers then teach the content. They give you a scope and a sequence which sets out exactly what children should be taught each year of schooling. In general, teachers then take this curriculum and then figure out how they will deliver it to their students. For educators who are new to teaching, this can be a very overwhelming process. And then to make matters even more complicated, you get bodies like here in Australia, the Early Years Learning Framework, which is an add-on and it supports early childhood providers and teachers to extend and enrich children's learning from birth to five right through the transition of school. And the framework is designed to complement the individual states and territory frameworks and especially for things like kindy which is not an official year of schooling those teachers specifically focus on the early learning framework so the place to start is what the curriculum calls the general capabilities and this is generally and broadly what children should know by the end of a specific cycle so by the end of year two, if we're talking about early childhood, for example, and I really would encourage all of you that before you even look at the subject areas for the year that you're going to be teaching, look at that year's general capabilities so that you get a really good idea of what kids are supposed to be learning. Now, once you've got that sorted, the complication arises that the curriculum is divided up into individual standalone subjects. If you had to teach each of these subject areas as prescribed by the curriculum, you will be burnt out before the end of the term on holidays. The other issue, of course, is that life isn't compartmentalized, is it? Everything is linked. The way to plan your term is to plan integrated lessons that cover more than one subject area at a time. So you're killing multiple birds with one stone. So how do you do this? Well, unfortunately, you have to know the curriculum to start off with. You need to know what the curriculum expects you to teach for your particular year. And once you know the curriculum, everything becomes easier. So you need to know so what are kids supposed to learn in terms of language? What are they supposed to know in science? What are they supposed to know in HASS? Now, I have my own opinions about all these things um, in early childhood, but that's for another episode. But once you know everything about the content of the curriculum, life becomes easier. You are able to plan more confidently and you can use inquiry-based learning because you know what the kids need to work on. The way I have successfully planned an integrated curriculum is to start with science or humanities subject area. So you start and you look at that. What are kids going to learn or need to know in science or humanities? But just another tip when you're planning... Consider what's actually happening in the real world so that children can make connections with their experiences. 
and someone's using a lawnmower next door. So I'm seriously hoping you guys can't hear that. So for example, when you plan science, look at the seasons. In year two, biological sciences, you need to teach growth and change, which is all about life cycles. So plan that unit in the spring when silkworms are hatching and so that kids can actually witness the life cycle in front of their own eyes and teach the water cycle, for example, when it's the rainy season so that you can integrate maths and technology and kids can actually experience what what precipitation is. Now that you've decided which science or humanities unit you're going to teach, Look at the type of texts, picture books and guided reading texts that fit with and complement the science unit so that you're learning your science subject matter in your reading groups. And while you're focusing on teaching kids the skills for comprehension and looking for key words, later on, students will use these skills you're teaching them in their small group guided reading lessons and they're going to apply them to looking for information when they're working on inquiry projects. Also consider how you will assess their understanding of the science or humanities. Are they going to write a report, for example, or a procedure? Then you have to ensure that you teach procedural or report writing in your English so that they can use that knowledge and apply it to the task you've set them to check their understanding in the Inquiry Project for Science and Humanities. A great book that I really urge you guys to get that I loved using is Pi Corbett's Talk for Writing Across the Curriculum. I link it in the show notes. Just a heads up, um, I am, it's an affiliate link to Booktopia, so I will receive a tiny commission should you purchase it through my link at no extra cost to you. Seriously, my copy is so used with sticky notes everywhere. I highly, highly recommend it. Now, as much as we'll try and integrate, it's not always possible. You can include math measurements, for example, if you're looking at how plants grow and change by measuring their growth. You can also teach the meaning of difference in math when you compare how tall a plant was before the holidays, for example, and how tall it is when you return. And then you work out the difference, which really makes the mathematical concept concrete for children, especially if they draw it out or have photos to compare. Now you choose your picture books that you read and study every week in English to align with your subject matter. For example, if you're learning about growth and change in science and you're planting, get stories about growing a garden or planting seeds. And in humanities in year two, if you're looking at how technology has changed over time, do this unit at the same time as your growth and change so that children can see these connections in the real world. You'll spend a week with each book and you'll probably have different book or text for your guided reading groups. Now, once you've got your texts that you'll use not only to teach and practice reading and comprehension, but also grammar and spelling and even your writing, you can include technology by getting the children to take photographs or make digital posters or presentations to showcase their understanding of their topic when they're doing their inquiry project. And even design and technology by getting students to make models. And talking about inquiry, which I truly believe that this is one of the best ways that children learn. This does not mean that we throw out explicit instruction. So many people think that the minute that you talk about inquiry, you've got to throw out explicit instruction. No, not true at all. They dovetail one another. You've got to have your explicit instruction for your skills and your phonics and your reading and your mathematical concepts. 
You cannot expect a student to go off and do inquiry unless you have explicitly taught them the process in a step-by-step fashion. And this is exactly what I've done in my latest e-guide, which I created especially for educators that are fearful or haven't given inquiry learning a go. I explicitly walk you through each stage step by step so that you are no longer fearful and I give you examples of how to integrate inquiry across subject areas like science and even give you some planning templates for your students. So seriously, with my Inquiry 101 guide, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain and it's available night right now at a low introductory offer that's less than the price of a coffee and a muffin. You can get it at resources.edslessons.com forward slash inquiry 101 and I will link it in the show notes below. Now the way I like to plan all this out is by getting a large piece of paper, you know, A3 minimum or even better one of those big rolls of IKEA paper and placing my science and humanities topics in the center. And then I start brainstorming the various skills I need to teach in English and maths and technology and art. And I find texts that link to the main topics for English. Maths is generally standalone, but I look for concepts that can be covered during investigation, for example, measurement and chance and data, which are easily integrated into inquiry units. Now, I hope this all makes sense. I was thinking, actually, of offering a curriculum or a term planning webinar, or a short course um, sometime in the future. Now, I don't know anything about um, doing this yet. I haven't um, designed it or even, you know, thought about what would be included in it. But if this is something you might be interested in, you know, if you'd like me to take you step by step through how to plan an integrated curriculum, then let me know. There's no point in me putting energy into something that no one wants. So if you'd like something like this, then leave me a voice message. I'll put a link in the show notes or even email me at contact at edslessons.com. And if you have any questions or concerns about using your curriculum to plan, then drop me a line and I'll see how I can help you. Next week's episode is all about scheduling and timetabling and your daily non-negotiables in early childhood. I hope to see you there. And until then, remember curiosity is your superpower. So stay Blooming Curious.